welcome to The Barrel Banter, a show covering all things Milwaukee Brewers. From trades to signings, player analysis to game recaps, or discussing uniforms, ballpark food, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. We are back, Brewers fans, for another episode with The Barrel Banter. I am your host, Peter Go. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We've got just a week and a half left until opening day. So we're finally approaching the, the finish line of the, is it, I, I don't know if I'd call this the off season still. It's close. It's, it's, it's not the season, but it's not the off season. So yeah. Whatever the in-between is, spring training, I guess, <laughs> is the term for that. But we're getting close. And I also wanted to point out that this past week on Apple Podcasts, we were up to number two in terms of rankings in Brewer podcasts, we got up to 117 on MLB charts for uh, for MLB podcasts on Apple. So thanks to all our listeners who have been listening. We've been getting a lot more listeners lately, partly, I think, because of the season coming up. We've been having some good episodes. So thank you for all the listeners out there for supporting us. And we're excited to keep this going into now our fourth season already. Yeah, it's well, we, we know we're not getting listeners from our video podcasts with just our smiling faces, that's for sure. So it's apparently some something, some combination of content and uh, the season coming up. But no, it's it, it is really cool, and the, we're actually the number one Brewers podcast uh, made by fans, essentially, because of course number one in the Brewer podcast rankings is the Brewers official podcast. So basically, second only to the Brewers official podcast isn't bad for uh, two guys just doing this uh, as a hobby. So appreciate, like David said, appreciate all of you taking the time to listen, and it's been fun to grow some following on the podcast on twitter on youtube i I guess we also we lost to the brewers official podcast but we also beat the brewers official youtube and some other things that we'll (laughs) we'll we'll talk about down the road due to david's great uh great videos that he's putting out um there so definitely go check that out um you can also check out um us again on substack that's a new one that david's writing on just had a new article released david remind us again what the latest article is about the latest article is about why March might be the biggest baseball month of the year, or at least for a while, so go check that out. I, I, I talked a little bit about the World Baseball Classic, some of the things to watch for in spring training, and just why March is actually a good baseball month, especially right now. This this particular March, I think, is better than most. So you can go to thebarrelmke.substack.com to read that. It should be at the top, or if not, I only have three or four articles that I've written so far, so if not, that'll be that'll be up there. Um, and you can check it out and go read it. I did actually talk about how the Milwaukee Brewers were kind of founders of the Cactus League. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing that brief story, I did include it in the article. So that'll be that'll be towards the beginning of the article, and you can you can find out the reasoning for that. Yeah, that was new to me. That was actually really that was like my favorite part of the of the article, finding out how the Brewers, like you said, have deep ties to them. Uh, their famous owner, of course. Um, as well, that all that I guess playing out, I, I won't spoil it, but go check out that uh, latest article, and then uh, we'll throw another quick plug on on our Ben Sheets CC Sabathia YouTube video that David put out on why Ben Sheets uh, 2008 season was better than CC's. On that note, of course, uh, David, given the World Baseball Classic and uh, Team USA and their victory over well their victory both uh, Saturday night and presumably Sunday night here as they have a huge lead as we're recording right now. But um, who is today's random player of the day? 
Yeah, today's random player of the day is none other than Mr. Ben Sheets himself. Mr. Mr. America, would that be a proper name for him? Maybe in, in September of 2000, it would have been a proper name for Mr. Ben Sheets. He pretty notably had, had a complete game shutout in the finals of the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney. He went nine innings and allowed no runs. <laughs> that was very that is a complete game shutout, I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> allowed three hits, five strikeouts, and no walks. So only three base runners against the Cubans, which you might say, well, there were no there were no major leaguers in that Cuban lineup, which is true. But at the same time, there were no major leaguers in any of the lineups because the U.S. kept going for the Olympics. And the other thing is. Cuba at the time was a baseball powerhouse, so they were they were the heavyweight favorites. Like it wasn't quite miracle on ice level, but it was it was pretty close in that Cuba had been I think they had won three of the last four and finished runner up in the other. So they were quite good in the international baseball scene. The US came in, they were not really a team that was supposed to be that good. And Ben Sheets was was their guy, and he ended up throwing a complete game shutout to win them the gold. You can actually watch the game. It's recorded. I found it. I found the full game actually just now that you can watch on the USA website if you're interested in watching it. The US and Cuba have actually only played one time since that 2000 game. In 2006, I think it was, in the WBC they played. And then now they're playing right now. The US is up 7-1 as we record this on Cuba. I don't think Ben Sheets is still pitching for Team USA. I feel like there has to be like one or two random Cubans that's still on the roster. The electrician, that, yeah, <laughs> from a from the Czech Republic, <laughs> but, um, but I don't know that I don't know that uh, there are any for sure. But I feel like there have to be. Of course, Ben Sheets ended up having a great career with the Brewers, and you can go check out my video on YouTube about why Ben Sheets was better than CC. If you want to learn more about Ben Sheets's. Brewers yeah, it's interesting because you said no professional players on Team USA or Team Cuba in that game. But you mentioned that there were some notable names from Team USA on that team. Um, that was a team with Ben Sheets that included guys like Roy Oswalt. Um, who who else was it that was that were also uh, future major leaguers on that team? Roy Oswalt and Sheets were the best, but there was Doug Minkavich, who we had a discussion <laughs> beforehand about how to pronounce his name. We always had cards of him, but we never knew how to actually pronounce it. Um, well, I, I don't know what we did without having a phone at our hands when we were eight years old to look up the pronunciations. Called them the wrong yeah. name, I guess. Ryan Franklin also was there, the, the Cardinals pitcher, 2009 All-Star, if I recall correctly. John Roush, the six foot eleven relief pitcher, he was there. And there were actually a couple guys who were, at the end of their careers, Pat Borders, the Blue Jays catcher from the early 90s he was there and he was probably the most notable ex-big leaguer there and then Tommy Lasorda was the manager of that team so was it pretty accomplished team I mean Tommy Lasorda is of course the most accomplished on that roster but as a manager but he was a retired manager at that point and some notable names even in the roster yeah that's got to be cool for those guys not being professional guys to play under Tommy Lasorda um in any capacity that's Gotta be cool, uh, cool thing to have uh, an experience like that, of course, and then of course winning it all. So you talked about Cuba being a powerhouse at that point. That ties into our trivia question today, which is what nation has the most wins in World Baseball Classic history? So I'll give you some time to think um, on that. We'll do a quick update on the World Baseball Classic 
then we'll get to today's trivia answer, and then we'll shift back into Brewers World and uh, talk Brewers. So, uh, of course, World Baseball Classic updates. Obviously, as you know, Team USA likely at this point moving on to the finals um, here against either Mexico or Japan. They could be Team USA could be facing off against Luis Urias, Roddy Telez, and Team Mexico if things go well for them. And both of those players have been, um, well, I guess, Rowdy more so than Urias have been having a, a decent World Baseball Classic. Rowdy hitting 286 with a home run and five RBIs. Urias didn't didn't put up the great stats across the tournament, but of course had the big RBI single um, in the quarterfinal game. So that was of course notable in their comeback win. Um, so, like I said, we'll see if the if uh, Team USA faces off against Mexico. I, I'd be in favor of it. I'm still hoping for that Devin Williams matchup against the two. That'd be fun to see. Um, any other notable players uh, for the Brewers in the World Baseball Classic, David? Alex Hall, the catcher who is in the organization, he was the one who got called up for one day last year when they needed an emergency catcher with Caratini contracting COVID. He played for Team Australia, and they've been eliminated, but he had two home runs and five RBIs across five games for them. They actually made it to the quarterfinals, which was a reasonable success for Team Australia, who I don't think has ever advanced out of the pool play in the World Baseball Classic. Williams has thrown two and a third scoreless so far with four strikeouts. I don't think it's likely he pitches today as we record this, but perhaps tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but in the finals on Tuesday, he could be available. Robert Stock also threw four innings for Team Israel. He was actually optioned when he returned to Brewers camp, but he he was okay. He went four innings, three runs, four strikeouts. I think he got one start and one save opportunity with Team Israel. Yeah, with Williams, uh, it, was a, it was a good uh, inning to see Williams against, um, I'm blanking on the team with Acuna, um, Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela, Venezuela. sorry. Um, it was good to see him pitch that inning because it was a higher leverage inning, obviously. The Team USA just took the two-run lead. He was facing Acuna. Acuna, great piece of hitting to hit that double off of him. That was a good changeup. I mean, that thing was like almost hitting the ground, and he kind of Vlad guerrero it into left field for a double. Is just a good good swing on a tough pitch. But I was just thinking about seeing Williams out there and I thought about the early struggles he's had um, in, I believe it was, was was it also 2020 or just 21 and 22 really? I think just 21 and 2022 that he said was off to pretty significantly slow starts to the season, had some struggles. I remember even in, in, 20, in 2021 and 2022, I kind of was like jumping ship on Devin Williams like a month into the season. And then last year, of course, he was, um, just about one of the, if not the best relievers in all of baseball. And uh, I was thinking, man, he's getting a lot of high leverage spots already now. Probably not going to see him necessarily uh, be a super rusty in the first month of the season. I, there's obviously other consequences. You could say, oh, well, now he's going to be more fatigued late in the year. Sure, I guess you could make that case. For his exactly. But like, but he's got to be sharper, um, I would say, going into the season, facing mm-hmm. Ronald Acuna in the World Baseball Classic in a high leverage exhibition game that doesn't matter um but uh i just i just thought that 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 williams hopefully will be ready to go and, and sharper and i would expect that from him at this point in his career i think he's matured as well mm-hmm. yeah i hadn't thought about that but you mentioned that when we were talking yesterday and mike trout mentioned that he can't he can't really believe why or can't, can't understand why players are staying back at spring training and saying that this is better for them in their in their preparation for the season. I think especially that that would go for the position players. 
if you're a big structure guy as a pitcher, I'd understand why you feel having feel like having that exact ramp up where you you know you're going to throw 60 pitches today and 75 the next day, and it can be monitored more so in, in spring training than it can in the WBC. So I can understand that, but I, I don't understand it as much from a hitter standpoint. And yeah, with a reliever like Williams, there are some pretty strict guidelines that are in place for the tournament, more so for starters, but a little bit for relievers. And then Mark DeRosa also was given orders that he is not allowed to get up a reliever and not use him, the old dry hump, uh, as it's known affectionately. So he, yeah, so, the, so Williams will never get up and not pitch which is partly why he didn't get a reliever up for Daniel Bard during Daniel Bard's rough outing yesterday until Bard was already about four outing four excuse me four batters into the outing and but I think it it does do a very good job of that in in preparing players for the regular season where there are more high leverage moments right away but in spring training you don't necessarily right, get that right totally agree so let's close out our uh, WBC segment here with our trivia question so David what nation has the most wins in World Baseball Classic history? I'm going to go with Japan. Japan is a good guess, and it is the correct guess. Japan is the most successful nation um, in World Baseball Classic history. They're also the only country with two championships, of course, 2006 and 2009, going to Team Japan. So really, by pretty much all measures, I would say, uh, they've they've been the most successful. They have the most wins, most championships, um, and I think they also um, have the most. Yeah, they're the only nation to reach the championship game, uh, championship round in all four World Baseball Classics uh, prior to. Oh, wow! I didn't realize. Yeah, that. well, let me see here. Two thousand. They won in oh six and oh nine. I I know they did in seventeen. They won oh six and oh and oh nine uh, in twenty thirteen. 2013, they semifinals. Semi, they reach. They've reached the semis every time. Okay. Um, so they've, yeah, they finished first in 06, first in 09, third in 13, third in 17, and of course still have a shot at uh, first, second, or third place this year as well. So they've definitely been the most consistent uh, across a long time frame here, from 06 all the way to now. So uh, this is a, a Brewers podcast at the end of the day. So we got to get to the Brewers content. And uh, we talked about Devin Williams, of course. Um, but I think really, I guess I would say two big, quick news updates. Um, one, Garrett Mitchell, he's been out about 10 days uh, due to a hamstring injury. They're saying he probably won't miss opening day. Um, but obviously, we'll see as we've, like you said, we're getting pretty close to opening day. So we'll see if Mitchell's healthy enough to start. Um, of course, I think for a guy like him, you don't want to start the year injured. It's also, it would be his first opening day start. So there's probably a little bit more weight than... I don't know, say a guy like Luis Rias or really Adames who've made some opening day starts already that it wouldn't be as big of a deal. Um, so I've, 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 I'd imagine Mitchell's going to try to get back for that. Um, and he's, he's also got, he's still got stuff to prove, you know, they've, there's a lot of, a lot of guys knocking on the door and, and he's up obviously first, uh, but doesn't mean he's necessarily going to be up long-term. So uh, I think he's still got a lot to prove. I think he'll likely be ready for spring training. And then I think the, the, I guess the more intriguing one, uh, Luke Voigt, uh, his opt-out we were talking about um, as coming up uh, really soon on the last episode, his opt-out was pushed back to this upcoming Friday. So more flexibility for the Brewers. Uh, Voight got some additional time to show what he can do for the Brewers. And also, I would imagine, gives the Brewers more time to find some trade partner for Keston Hira 
as it seems like, I don't know, all, all signs just seem to point to the Brewers wanting to keep Voight, at least from what I'm seeing, what I'm reading. Um, ironically, David, I was reading Adam McKelvey's opening day roster predictions and 26 for 26. You guys had the exact same 26 on the on the roster <laughs> that you had predicted. I think my only difference was Cousins um, uh, in the bullpen. But yeah, uh, McKelvey agreed that Voight's the better option. I think we're all kind of aware of that. Um, but like, oh, like loosely hang on to the fact that we would have to let go of Kessin Hira. And if we have to like let him go for nothing, uh-huh. it, we, we feel bad and feel like, well, we should just keep mm-hmm. him on. The old yes. sunk cost fallacy. There we go. I wasn't going to bring it up. I, I'm, I, I, I don't want to bring up a, an economic term, but if you bring it up, that, then that's okay. Mm. I always think of it as a sociological term. So maybe that that's shows true. That's true. But I guess it was, I guess it's like, uh, what was that? I can't remember what class that was. Not psychology of economics, but whatever. Behavioral economics. There we go. That's that's what it was. So it yeah, kind of a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, I think, the big one. Um, I think it's that, that, of course, ties into the update on the position battles. Of course, Voight still very much in the mix. Uh, Keston, same thing. He's hitting 154 with a 43% strikeout rate, so he's not helping his case to make the roster. He's also not helping the Brewers' chances of trading him. Uh, while Voigt, of course, is playing well with a 344 average and 594 slugging. So, I don't know. It seems like everything's pointing to the to the, to the science, pointing to signs that the Brewers are going to go with Voigt. And maybe, honestly, they may have even told Voigt, hey, we, we probably either want you or we probably want you on the roster, but give us a, a little bit of time um, to potentially try to trade Hira. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you'd add to that or... Uh, we we pretty much covered the bases on that. I was looking back uh, at some old things about Voight, and I'd kind of forgotten about this, but both, I think it was mid-season in 2021 and in the off-season after 2021, the Brewers were interested in trading for Luke Voigt. It's probably a good thing they didn't because his stock was pretty high at that point, but I had forgotten about their previous interest in him. It reminds me a little bit of Trevor Rosenthal. The Brewers had interest in Rosenthal dating back, who, by the way, is still a free agent if the Brewers want to bring him back. I'm not sure if he's healthy or not, but uh, but they had they had previous interest in Voigt, so it seems like they also maybe like him more than just the average minor league signing. I think if, if the Brewers didn't tell him that he had a real legit shot at getting good playing time, he probably wouldn't have signed with the Brewers. He would try to go somewhere where he could actually play because he's someone that, that isn't just some no-name triple-A career career triple-A guy. He's someone who's had a, a good amount of success in the majors. So I, I don't think he would have gone to the Brewers if they didn't at least say that, that he expected to make the roster or he should expect to make the yeah, roster. Yeah, fair. That's, that's fair. And both at the time of signing and at the time of extending the opt-out as well. So I, like I said, signs keep to, to, to me keep, keep pointing towards Voight. Um, and then Brasso has pretty much uh, solidified his spot on the roster, batting 435 this year uh, in spring training. Uh, I think the other interesting one, Owen Miller is playing well, 321 average, compared to Bryce, two rank 313 average. So both guys are playing well. Uh, Owen Miller, only two strikeouts in 28 at-bats so far this spring. He's been playing a lot of center field just to increase his versatility, which is I think also increases his likelihood of of making the roster. It seems like Miller and Turing going in, I think those were two two guys where probably one of the two is going to make the team. 
I think if Miller has a really bad spring and Turang does halfway decent, he makes the roster. With them both performing pretty well and Miller not having options, I, I would say I think it's likely Miller makes the team Turang starts in AAA. Oh, he does. Miller actually does. Miller does have, I think, one option left. Okay. So I think so. Keston is really the only well, Naquin and Voigt. So Keston, Naquin, and Voigt are the ones that cannot be optioned. And Keston and Naquin are, I think, if, with good springs, Keston and Naquin would have definitely made the roster. But they're they're making it a little bit more difficult on the Brewers to uh, to yeah. make that decision. No, you're right. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. So yeah, I, but it, but regardless, I think uh, would you say it's fair? I, I'm going to say like Brasso's made the team. I think Toro's has not 222 average i think he was a little bit of a long shot going in so i think he's uh, he played okay in the world baseball classic but i think he finds himself in triple a and then i think we look at again rosso it makes a team one of the two void or cast in likely void i think at this point is number two we'll get to the outfield uh in knock naquin and fralick but so for that third spot uh owen miller bryce two ring i've got miller on that who do you have I would I would take Miller yeah, also. I think that's I think that's likely at this point, given the of course the the service calendar two for two ring, you can put him down there and see how Miller let Miller get the first chance and if he's not performing well, great. You've got another great option in, in two rang. So let's look at the final one. Tyler mm-hmm. Naquin, sound free, like we talked about this last time. I think the only the only thing new to, to bring up is that just Tyler Naquin, like you said, is making it hard. He's he's certainly making it hard for the Brewers to put him on the roster when he's hitting one seventy four this mm-hmm. spring. Freilich, 333 in spring training and 304 in World Baseball Classic. Also hit a double off Wei Chung Wong amongst uh, two other uh, doubles as well in the tournament. So Freilich playing well. Naquin, of course, not. There's still a service calendar. Again, I know we. if you want to hear a full deep dive on, on all of these, um, you can go uh, listen to our, our episode last week. But anything else that you'd add at this point? I, I'm going to still go Naquin um, purely, purely because of the service calendar and the Brewers and, and, and Freilich also maybe could use a little bit more time at AAA. I don't know if that's a fair, a fair statement or if that's just service calendar uh, uh, coming into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hard because I, I really want Freilich to make the team, but I understand why they would choose Naquin. But at the same time, it, I think it makes more sense to start Freilich there. The other thing is, um, is Joey Weimer still playing, and he's still getting regular at bats. And we kind of had ruled him out because we said that he was behind Freilich and Mitchell, so he's not going to make the roster, the the opening day roster. But Council was asked about that and about Weimer, and he said, "Look, he's playing here because he has a better chance to be here." Obviously, he's close. We have uncertainty in the outfield right now, and that's created some opportunity for guys. He's here and he's playing. If you're in the lineup at this point as regularly as he is, you can read it into that he's a candidate. Absolutely. Sorry if I didn't read that <laughs> in a bored enough tone. <laughs> Look, he's playing here because he has a... a Come on, David. Where, to be here. Where, where's the sweatshirt? Obviously, he's close. Oh, I, it's, it's actually, actually getting washed right now. Yeah. So... So, but it's interesting on Weimer, because I I never really had given had, had entertained that idea that Weimer might make the roster, but it seems like it's at least possible that he will. I still don't think it's likely. In my non uh, my my non written 
opening day prediction pr- prediction roster. I, I would not have Joey Weimer on that. I, I, I wouldn't expect him to make the roster, but he's he's showing that he can play in the majors, and he's showing that he could be someone that's up already, I think, by May or June, depending on how the outfield shakes out. And the other thing that I'd add to that is Brian Anderson has only gotten one start in the outfield so far this spring. So he's been playing pretty much exclusively third base. So it seems like Rios is going to play more second. And so if they do that, two rings probably not going to make the roster because they're not going to have two ring make the opening day roster. I don't think as just a guy that plays once out of every four or five games. So if they do that, the other thing is that means Anderson won't really be playing right field. They probably want him to have that flexibility, but it seems like they might hand the starting third base job to Brian Anderson. So if they do that and Mitchell is hurt, you have two starting spots left in the outfield. So maybe you go Freilich in center and Weimer in right. Um, Maybe you go Freilich in center and Naquin in right. I'm not exactly sure how you how you shake it out, but if you've got every day at bats at the major league level, I think you should take every advantage you can have at getting at bats, getting regular at bats for these guys in the major leagues to also help them develop in the majors. We've all seen them succeed in AAA, so we know what they can do at the minor league level. But if you can get them at bats and if you can see what they can do, and also because I think they are the most talented outfielders that you have right now, you want your best team there on opening day. Every game counts. The Brewers are going to be kind of probably on that bubble between making the ma- making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So I think it could be the the difference to have Freilich, to have Weimer on the opening day roster. And if they don't perform right away, you can pivot a little bit. Granted, if you don't keep Naquin right away, you lose Naquin. But they do have pretty good outfield depth. They have Taylor, who should be back within a month. They have Blake Perkins, who had a good year at AAA last year. So I think I think the right move would be to keep probably Mitchell and Freilich or Mitchell and Weimer. And then if Mitchell is hurt and, and can't make the opening day roster, then you go Freilich and Weimer, which would be pretty exciting as a, a Brewer fan to see them already on opening see, day. See, I did hear Council's uh, quote on, on Weimer. I, I'm not really buying – I don't know. I'm not really buying that the Brewers are actually considering him for an opening day roster spot. I think it was worth noting, but I don't know. I just get that feeling that he's the last of the three. He's the big power bat who would likely have more time to develop um, in, in the minors. I'm not totally buying that, that he's a legitimate option for the opening day roster at this point. Um, I just if, if the Brewers have an open spot, even if it's in right, I see them going to, to, free, to South Ray like more than Joey Weimer at this point. So I personally, I don't think Weimer is going to make it uh, on opening day, if if the if Garrett Mitchell's hurt at opening day, that that does pose an interesting spot for the Brewers. The the cop out answer is adding Naquin to the roster or adding Freilich to the roster, whichever way you look at it. Um, but I'm not fully buying that that Joey Weimer is a legitimate opening day option. But who knows? I would be I would be really excited. I mean, if if we were doing this for the fans, if this was about the fans, then Freilich, Weimer, Mitchell would all be there on opening day. Um, because it'd be a lot more fun to have them all, all there. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really fun to have all three of them start in the outfield, but uh, Christian Yelich gets in the way <laughs> of doing that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I don't know. It, I, I was I, I'm excited to see them this year. This is the year. This is the year to see them, um, and it, it could be who knows. Hopefully, it's not the next 
Corey Ray, Brett Phillips, Lewis Brinson. And uh, we have the next five years of a lot of fun seeing those three guys manning the outfield alongside Christian Yelich. So let's let's jump to the let's jump to the pitcher side here. Um, I think we probably go through this one a little bit quicker. We talked about our predictions, David. For those that haven't listened to the podcast, why don't you share your predictions from last week on the three guys that you expect to see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the bullpen, there are three spots left. I think it will be Javi Guerra, Bryce Wilson, and Yoel Piamps. Those are three of the four who are out of minor league options. I think Gus Varland will be the odd man out, and he'll be returned to the Dodgers. I'm rooting for Varland. I hope he makes a roster over, well, I don't know. I I feel like a executive now who, who can't decide who he wants to give up. It's like, oh, man, but... But but Bryce Wilson, he had a five and a half ERA with the Pirates last year. But but there was this about him. I feel like that's that's probably how executives operate. You have you kind of have to be to be an executive. But I, I don't have any intentions of becoming one. I, I used to, but not anymore. But uh, but Wilson's pitched okay. He's allowed five runs in ten and two thirds innings, but he struck out ten while walking only two. And he's had he's had some longer outings. So that works in his advantage. He can go multiple innings at a time. That that could be the, the leg up that he needs on the competition. Javi Guerra's shown really good stuff, both in spring training and in the WBC. He's thrown three and a third in camp with allowing one run. Only one strikeout, actually, even though he throws 98. And then one and two thirds across two outings at the WBC. I think one or two saves and a strikeout or two. I think I think Garrett will make the roster. He's he's got a a, a really good arm. Um, actually, I was listening to the Brewers Unfiltered podcast, the official Brewers podcast. Adam McAlvey had Garrett as his sleeper pick for for the Brewers in the the bullpen. So Garrett could be an intriguing arm. I would I would definitely want to at least see what he can do. They gave up Victor Castaneda for him. He was. I mean, he's not like he's a top prospect or anything, but he was a pitcher that was in the upper levels that there was at least some thought that he was going to be added to the 40-man this offseason. So he was announced as a player to be named later for Guerra. Now, does that increase Guerra's likelihood of making the team? I don't know. I mean, once again, the sunk cost fallacy. He's traded either way, so I guess it doesn't matter. But it also is possible that they just agreed on compensation this is this is pure speculation on my part, but like back in 2008 when the Brewers had the deal with CC and it was Brewers make the playoffs, then the Indians get to pick the compensation. Brewers miss the playoffs, the Brewers pick the compensation. Maybe Guerra makes the opening day roster, the the Rays pick the compensation. He doesn't, then the Brewers pick the compensation. Something like that. I don't know, just a thought. And then... Yeah, Piamps hasn't been great. He didn't pitch at all for the DR and the WBC, but he was a, really the only one of these who had a good year in the majors last year. So I think Piamps is probably going to make it. And he, I don't think he's done enough negatively to hamper his his chances. Right, at making like, the, like my guy has Jake Cousins, six, on, six innings, seven runs, four walks across those six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back on on my uh, three picks. 
Really the only difference, of course, being Jake Cousins, who I had on six innings, seven runs. He really has sort of pushed, pitched him his way out of the, the, the bullpen. Also four walks across those six innings. So looks like he'll be starting in AAA. Uh, but we'll see, you know, what he can what he can do. I'm still hopeful for a comeback season for him um, as well. So I, I guess the only other player to note, Tyson Miller, continued success in spring training. Again, I don't think that makes a difference, but eight innings, still no runs allowed. 11 Ks and three walks over eight innings. So um, you could probably say he's probably had the best spring among the guys here that you want to kind of call on the bubble. I'd say Robert Stock. Uh, he was both in spring training and also in the World Baseball Classic. But Stock overall, I think, had a, a decent spring as well. Um, and uh, Stock being optioned, Jansen Junk was optioned, and Abner Uribe, a Brewers prospect, also optioned as well. No huge surprises there. So that'll wrap up our, our bullpen spots again. I guess nothing nothing groundbreaking here. Uh, likely expecting Javi Guerra, Yoel Piamps, and Bryce Wilson. I agree. I unfortunately don't see Barland keeping a spot. Had he pitched really well, then maybe he, he gets a spot out of, from one of those three. But the way he's pitched, unfortunately, hasn't been exceptional. He, he has thrown 89% strikes, you, you mentioned, which is ridiculously high, like too high. Um, he, who was it? Well, I feel like it was a guy around like the 2016, 2018 time frame for the Brewers who was like throwing too many strikes. And then was it Lauer? Gio Gonzalez. There we go. He was throwing too many strikes. He had to, he had to throw more balls. Like, And if you're listening to this at home and you're under 12, close your ears for this. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, I think he, well, I think what it was, wasn't so much that he was throwing too many strikes, but they found out that if, if he got behind in counts, that he could come back with 1-0 change-ups. So it wasn't like he'd purposely throw an uncompetitive 0-0 pitch, but he'd be more willing to try to nibble along the corners on 0-0, and he'd fall behind more often, but then he'd come back with change-ups and get weaker contact because he was really good at throwing his change-up in fastball counts when he was behind in the count. So I think I think that's what it was. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if the Brewers would utilize the same strategy with Varland. I haven't actually seen any video of him pitching yet i mean i have in the past before but i i haven't seen him this spring at all but i've read that he's got a really good slider that that has looked good this spring and he's been i think in the 95 96 range with some life on his fastball so he's the kind of guy that you could easily see having a breakout year in the pen but you could also see that happening with with pie amps with Guerra, or with wilson so it's it's hard, especially if there are no injuries. It looks like Hauser is going to be in the pen too, and they're going to start with a five-man rotation. So, are there going to be innings for him? You want to keep him, but are you going to be able to? I, I don't think it would be a Wei Chung Wong situation. I think he would actually pitch, but um, yeah, but it, it still is a little bit of a difficult situation. That's actually interesting. Uh, one more thing, since you brought that up, Adrian Hauser starting in the pen. Uh, I think it, it is actually. I would actually say almost in favor of Varlin that that he makes a team that Hauser does start in the bullpen because it means that the length of Bryce Wilson mm. is less meaningful. So True. that that I guess could be the only the only thought if if the Brewers say we've got our our length in Hauser right right now and of course Ashby will be back at some point later in the season as well. Um, so maybe they say. Mm, but we don't necessarily need the length from Bryce Wilson. And and yeah, I would say it, it probably is fair to say Gus Varland might be a better one inning reliever than Bryce Wilson this mm-hmm. year. 
but is that what they're looking for? Maybe if it is, then, then maybe is that, that is what they saw from Varland and he surprises everybody and, and makes the roster. But uh, I just wanted to point that out that actually I think Hauser starting the pen actually helps, helps um, Varland's chances. So we've already talked about Sal Freilich, uh, Joey Weimer, and Garrett Mitchell uh, already a lot today, but I think I was, I was certainly really excited when I heard about the Brewers new docuseries uh, the next the, the next wave of, of the homegrown brewers, the freshmen or freshmen. I'm not really sure why they call it the freshmen. Um, well, why not just call it the freshmen um, and spell it normally? But uh, regardless. Wait. Well, freshmen would be singular, wouldn't it be? M-A-N. Oh, I guess. I guess that's true. The plural. The, there we go. Thanks for the uh, the fact check there. Mm-hmm. The, the, plur- the plural freshmen. Thank you. That, that There we go. I feel so much better now. Uh, that's what <laughs> happened. When you have a corporately owned... Uh, YouTube <laughs> account. I think you got to have the, the proper grammar in there. Um, guarantee everybody else would like me with who's uh, uneducated and doesn't know grammar as well as you do, apparently would have, would have just said the freshman. Um, you don't say the freshman class, do you? Fresh, fresh, well, freshman class. Well, but you would say the sophomore class. So it's presented sophomore. as a singular. Yeah, I guess. So you'd say like, wouldn't you say the team has four freshmen, not four freshmen's? Yeah. I, think. I, I I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll say we'll, we'll I guess we can probably not have this conversation in, in in front of our podcast audience, but uh I guess that's that's our takeaway from the Brewers docu series. So come back next week for our <laughs> our predictions for the season. So uh looking at the the docu series the Brewers put out the freshmen, um I was really excited when I heard about it. Um I think it was a, a great idea by the Brewers to to do something like this because there's a lot of excitement between those outfielders Jackson Churio as well and Bryce Turing. Um What were your initial takeaways, David? As you what was your reaction, I guess, to to the the video as you watched it? It was a good video. I I enjoyed watching it. I think there are three more installments coming. I'm more excited for the future episodes where they talk about the players' upbringings, their more their personalities away from the baseball field. Apparently, they're going to be including Garrett Mitchell's wife, Haley Cruz. I don't know. I don't know. Haley Cruz Mitchell. Yeah. The TikTok star and professional softball player. So she's going to be featured in it. So I'm, I'm more excited to learn about the players' personalities and their upbringings. I find that usually more interesting than who they are at the field. I, this may be a little bit of an oversimplification but I feel like they're kind of different categories for baseball players. So it's not that interesting when I actually learn about what the players are like at the field, but it's more outside the uh, and off the field that, that I enjoy hearing about them. Uh, Bryce Turing did describe a lot of people as a good dude. That was one of my takeaways. Yeah. And uh, I think it was Weimer. He, he said that everyone is genuine. I think that was, or maybe it was Frey, like one of them, one of them described three, three of the four of them as genuine and the other at all of them were a good dude. So their vocabulary apparently is not, not very extensive. I would think Frey, like his Boston college education, he was a hockey player. So maybe he went to one of those big prep schools. So they, but either way, I guess they probably didn't consult them on the grammar of the, the, of the title slide with freshmen. Yeah, clearly not. Clearly not. Yeah, definitely two rang. Weimer was Weimer definitely seemed like slightly nervous um, mm-hmm. for the podcast. Uh, like as he was talking, 
Uh, I, I I agree. The biggest thing I liked about it was that there's more episodes coming. It wasn't like this mm-hmm. amazing. If it was like just a one-time thing, it'd be like, okay, this is a nice little promotional thing about the Brewers mm-hmm. prospects. And you didn't, you got to see him on the field, but you also didn't. I mean, we were talking about like two, uh, like combined like two minutes, maybe three minutes of of actual clips from them like on the field or whatever. Um, so yeah, and, and Sal Freilich said that Bryce, he said. Bryce is a great teammate, but a better player, <laughs> which I thought was funny because <laughs> usually you're supposed to say the uh-huh. opposite. Um, uh-huh. I'm sure I'm sure he just slipped up, but that was funny to hear that. And also, I, I hope we don't see Sophia on 80% of the videos. The next one, I'm like, I was like, why are we of all the people? We've got Matt Arnold. <laughs> we've got the actual players themselves. We've got Tom Flanagan. Uh, we've got like we they had good people on there, and then mm-hmm. Sophia was on there like over and over, and I'm like why like <laughs> so that didn't that that just didn't make sense if you want to include her some great i'm totally fine with that but she was like talking as much as tom flanagan she talked more than matt arnold talked about it uh i think uh-huh. and i i guess i i care a little bit more about matt arnold's opinion although matt arnold isn't great in front of a camera he's at least in my opinion neither i mean neither is neither is stearns neither was stearns i should say um either he wasn't necessarily particularly great either but yeah, I, I would say I wasn't like super impressed with the video, but I am really mm-hmm. excited to to hear mm-hmm. to hear the next a uh, couple of videos, uh, or I should say, watch the next couple of, of videos. Uh, and like I said earlier, we've got the Brewers YouTube beat with uh, your your podcast or not podcast video, your video on the Brewers successfully failing their rebuild, which has now how many views? It has about fifty nine k. Yeah, fifty nine thousand. I was I was surprised that the, the the as of now the the Brewers video here we're referencing only has about eight thousand views at this point, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me. Um, but I don't know. Brewers Brewers YouTube only has twenty eight thousand subscribers, so it's not. They haven't been they haven't been super active. I I I think this was the first time I was ever on Brewers YouTube, at least that I can recall. Besides maybe like I should say the uh, like the Sandlot and the mean girls those like movie spoofs mm-hmm. i remember going on there but that's like basically the only thing i've i've ever gone to brewers youtube for so they, they I, w- I hope they do more on there uh because it's kind of limited <laughs> i agree well like here i mean i've seen some of their videos but like here brewers breakdown last year meet ozzy timmons brewers hitting coach okay i mean I actually I didn't know they had that. I'll I'll probably watch that. <laughs> but 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 one point two thousand views. Like okay, I mean that's like not very good for a professional team. Yeah. Well, and then the I'll I'll I, I I watched. Then I was like, all right, Brewers break down. Raleigh fingers breaks down. Haters dominance. I'm like, oh yeah, let's see what this is. I I watched it. It starts loading. The video is a minute and five seconds. It's like the Raleigh figures like left a voicemail for the Brewers and was like, "Yeah, you know, Hater has good deception." And I was like, "Oh, really? Good, good deception." And coming from that left side, really tough against lefties. Man, like I'm like this dude literally left a voicemail for the Brewers like with a script on the here's the three things to say about Josh Hater. Um, was was the video, and so I didn't even really bother watching the rest of. Like I said, I really think I've only been on Brewers YouTube for the movie spoofs <laughs> over the years, and I, I think it's probably a good thing. Um, then I then I started watching 
like a Brewers backstage Boston road trip video and I got like four minutes in and it was like, I was like vlogger to do a better job um, of, of kind of going through their, their trip than the Brewers seemed to do. And the interview with Luis Urias was a little awkward too. They asked him like how excited he was to be at Fenway and he, or like, they were like, how, like, did you ever picture yourself playing at Fenway as a, as a young kid trying to make the majors? And he was like, honestly, no. <laughs> so they, it, yeah, I guess safe to say the Brewers can, can have some room for improvement on their YouTube uh, channel. But uh, I guess, like I said, movie spoofs were the only reason I was, I was ever really there. Uh, but I will be back uh, for, for this, these couple episodes. It, it should be good either way. Even if it's similar quality to this one, it'll still be good to get to know the prospects. Um, and, and we'll maybe do a little bit of a deep dive on each of the prospects, too, as, as we go through um, this season. And, yeah, next next week, our, our big off-season episode, if you want to call it off-season episode, um, is kind of what we've been leading up to all off-season. So our, we'll have our uh, final season predictions as we are approaching opening day. Uh, we'll have... Our, our selections for the standings, we'll have awards, all of our typical predictions. David will pull off some random prediction for like the AL most improved player or something that he somehow manages to pull off like he always does every year. Why isn't most improved player an award in MLB? <laughs> because it's a feel-good story. It doesn't MLB like feel-good stories? Oh, that's true. It's not even. A, that's true. It's not even. And NBA has it, but you're right. MLB doesn't even have the most improved because they have comeback player of the year. Comeback, yeah, that's true. It well, it's similar, but I guess the most improved gives broader gives you a broader base than the comeback player of the year because you could have had a trash year and then like had a great year the year after mm-hmm. and you could win that, but you couldn't really win comeback player of the year. I guess I don't know. I don't, who knows? Who knows why the why MLB doesn't have that, but. Any any final thoughts, David, on either the Brewers docu series predictions uh, episode coming out next week, or anything else going on in the barrel banter world? Well, yeah, I did want to one more time mention to go check out our Substack, the Barrel MKE and our also our YouTube at the Barrel MKE, our YouTube channel. I haven't been able to put out much lately; haven't had a whole lot of time, but there still is a lot of. Uh, videos. There are a lot of videos there um, that you can check out. The Ben Sheets one, why he was better than CC, successfully failing a rebuild, which we've mentioned probably half of all our episodes for the last eight months now. And uh, what's the last one? Um, ben. Sheets. I made. Oh no, Ben. No. Four. Oh, uh, the 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 2021 Brewers rotation was the most improbable of this century. So, um. Go check those ones out. I have some highlight videos, too. If you want to just watch Ben Sheets' curveballs, I have a video for that. If you want to watch Grab Abraham up. Almonte highlights. <laughs> that one? Okay. This one's... I'll make it quick. But I made an Abraham Almonte highlight video. It was, like, the first video I ever made because they just signed him. And that video is like, 5,000 views, which if it was... <laughs> If the Brewers would have posted that, it would get more views than like almost all their videos. <laughs> and it was Abraham Almonte. That is that is kind of so, funny. Yeah. But but my final thoughts were are these are these my official final thoughts? I, I, I won't I know how much you enjoy your final thoughts, so I, I won't bother you with another final thought request after this. Okay. Well well I, I wanted to highlight Gus Varlin's stats 
uh, not last year. Last year he had a 6'11 ERA, although he was he was much better out of the bullpen. And the year before he was not that great, but before then he had had really didn't have any bad years. He went to Concordia St. Paul, which we've mentioned in Minnesota, and that's where I spent my freshman year playing. But his sophomore year there, he had a 3.41 ERA, which is which is actually actually I say it like it's okay, but the league average is like six and a half, so that's a very good ERA. Then he went to the Northwoods League, had a 1.42 ERA in 50 innings, had a 1.04 ERA with in in nine starts, um, and. We are talking about how he doesn't provide length, but he would go like seven innings a start that year. Granted, that was in 2018 in Division II college. But um, but then he went and he dominated the minor leagues, where in 2018, across 13 games, 11 starts, he had a .95 ERA. And then 2019, he had a .239 in 26 innings. So he has a track record at the lower levels of the minor leagues. So... Uh, Granted, he didn't do as well in Double A, but there is still some track record there. It's not like somebody who's never had success and would be just putting things together for the first time. Yeah, no, honestly, as as we talked more about him and Bryce Wilson and Adrian Hauser, I wouldn't be opposed necessarily to giving up uh, Wilson and and maybe taking a shot at at Gus Barlin. I don't know. I, I'm I'm intrigued. I'd be intrigued. I'm. I don't necessarily know if it's the smartest decision, but I'm. It's the more interesting one, that's for sure. So in some ways, I kind of want to see them do it, just to see if it can play out to some success. Like you said, definitely higher upside in Marlin than a guy like Bryce Wilson. So with that, like I said, definitely stay tuned uh, for our best episode of the off season next week for our preseason predictions. That should be a really fun. Uh, I'm excited to get to those. Um, I promised the Burns Woodruff Molitor Yount comparison i apologize i jumped the gun that'll be at some point in a future episode um at some point during the season once the season gets going but like i said stay tuned next week should be a really good podcast uh, and we'll be getting some guests on too as we get into the season and be jumping on some podcasts as well so you can probably find us uh, on other brewers podcasts so with that no final thoughts further we will sign off here today this is peter and david go signing off as always go brewers listening to the barrel banter we'd appreciate it if you leave a comment or review so we can get the word out about our show to hear more find us on youtube at the barrel or on twitter at the barrel mke we look forward to connecting with you next time